Welcome to the podcast series, Talking Success, connecting the global fintech community. I'm Catherine Brassel, and today I'm joined in the UK by Jeremy Toyn, who is the CEO of TalkRemit. TalkRemit is a trusted global remittance solution for sending money quickly and securely to loved ones abroad. Their innovative money transfer and instant cash service offer the flexibility to suit customer needs, including cash pickup, bank deposits, and mobile payments. Create an e-wallet and send money on the go with their mobile app. Hi there, Jeremy. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. How have you been? I've been very well, thanks. And uh, it's a pleasure to hear you as well. We'll kick off a bit more about, we'd love to know more about you, a bit about your career journey. I know it's been quite a unique one and really how you became CEO of Talk Remit. Good. Well, I'll, um, I'll try to keep this to uh, under an hour in that case. <laughs> I must say, uh, becoming CEO of Talk Remit was certainly not in my life plan when I went to Loughborough University <laughs> to read physical education with sports science and English. Wow. Given, given a, a career as a, a professional rugby player was closed to me because I was about a foot too small and, and because professional rugby didn't actually exist in the early 80s. So um, I joined the military, which had been the family business for a few generations, um, although I was considered a bit of a black sheep. Uh, with a, in a family with a strong uh, Royal Air Force tradition because I joined the Brigade of Gurkhas fresh out of Sandhurst. Um, and they say you can, you can take the boy out of the army, but you can't take the army out of the boy. Um, and I had a great time in the Gurkhas, uh, peacetime, carefully timed between the Falklands War and the uh, First Gulf War. Um, so it was really a travel club for young men uh, when I was there. Um, but I left the Gurkhas anyway, um, at the uh, early 90s uh, to go to business school. Um, uh, I already had a, a number of the non-lethal business tools that served me in my career in finance since, but I was pretty unemployable um, in business coming out of the army. So um, London Business School was a great place to go. Yes, yes. So I, I spent a couple of years there, and then I went into investment banking as an M&A analyst uh, and started climbing uh, the greasy pole, as it were. <laughs> uh, there's there's no better incentive to learning fast, I'd say, and working hard than um, going from a captain in the British Army to an analyst in an M and A shop, right at the bottom of the pile, right at the bottom of the pile. Yeah, uh, and sure. the early nineties, the early nineties were a, a great time to be an M and A. Um, um, uh, although um, I realised um, as I'd been in uh, once I'd been in M and A for a few years that I was in danger of becoming a banker with all <laughs> of the negative and positive things that that entailed, uh, and I wanted to get more involved in what went on at either end of an acquisition in terms of strategy and integration. Uh, so I joined Sainsbury's and as, as an internal M and A. Um, and that also chimed with my deep-seated love of food, uh, <laughs> which was certainly a job requirement for joining what was the second largest supermarket chain of in the UK at the time. And obviously, I've still got the um, the large shape to show for that, um, unfortunately. <laughs> anyway, um, my first job in Sainsbury's was selling pig farms as Sainsbury's exited its ownership of its supply chain. And there were a lot of other memorable corporate development projects. But, but the serious work really began when we went looking for a co-branded credit card partner and ended up setting up Sainsbury's Bank. Um, and after a couple of years as CEO of the bank, I went back to M&A within Sainsbury's, but 
by then I had something of a taste for payments. And so I joined NCR, National Cash Registers, as was um, as Alliances and M&A Director. Um, and then, as ever happens when you do that, I ran a somewhat contentious acquisition into the entry-level payment space, and I was rewarded for that deed by being transferred from M&A into the core business as a product director to help run the business I just acquired. And and with that, my days as an investment banker were done, um, although I carry all the good and the bad stuff I learned <laughs> there to this. Yeah. So uh, NCO went through a number of iterations in the 12 years I was there as it sought to keep ahead of the payment solutions uh, and to migrate from being a manufacturing business into a solution provider. Um, and it's impossible, I'd say, to to work in a, a world-class and process-driven, American-centric, hire-and-far business without picking up some great lessons as well as some useful survival tools. Um, uh, and I must say that for most of the time in NCR, I was based in Dundee, uh, and I left NCR with an abiding respect for the Scottish business class as well as their ability to throw the most humongous parties. I'm sure. <laughs> Back when we could all party, hey? <laughs> in, the day, in the day when it yeah. was allowed. And it, yeah. Of course, what, what I was doing at, at, at NCR is, is, is nowadays really termed fintech, but yes. I didn't come across um, to be honest, until I left NCR in one of their biannual reshuffles. Mm. Um, and then I, I joined a family consulting business, uh, my own family consulting business, and became involved in startups. Um, and I must say that the culture difference between having been employed in three organizations, the Army, uh, Sainsbury's, and NCR, each with around 100,000 or more employees, mm. to yeah. where I was one of a handful was was actually it was no real struggle at all uh, i think maybe because large organizations are really just uh, lots of small organizations mm. buckled together um, and also because you learn to adapt and survive in in the army in food retail mm. investment banking and cash machines yeah. um so, so that brings me to Talk Remit, really. I, I first got involved with them as a pre-licensed startup in 2018 uh, when I joined them as a consultant to help secure them partnerships with banks okay. and payment gateways um, and to complete the challenge of getting them an electric money issuer license. Um, and, and just so we know, um, in case anybody has never heard of Talk Remit, and I wouldn't blame them for doing so, it's an international, we're an international online remittance business. We serve in particular migrant workers with families back home, and we've got actions and activities and offices in the UK and Europe and North America and Africa. And so um, it's great. It's a lovely business. It's a great team business. It's a family-run business. And... Um, and after a couple of years of advising the board and senior management, they offered me the chance to run the business. And so I said, yes. Awesome. Awesome. So going back to Sainsbury specifically, I mean, you worked in an exciting space, obviously in retail finance and effectively was you know, part of spearheading what retailers were doing in Britain at the time. Um, you know, how did that sort of shape the whole industry? And what are some of the kind of valuable lessons that you kind of took from all of that? That's a good question, actually. Well, it was the late 80s. Um, uh, I'm not sure if you were around, but I can tell you I was. <laughs> just, just about. <laughs> so it, it, was the, it was the time of, what was the time of? Yuppies, MTV, I think. Um, <laughs> leg, leg warmers. I definitely wore leg warmers. We had PCs and CDs um, and Duran Duran, uh, mm. my favourites. Awesome. Duran Duran. <laughs> it was also, from a financial point of view, the time of um, First Direct, 
um, together with with a growing customer acceptance uh, of in the UK of the fact you you didn't need a bank made of bricks uh, in order to have a bank account. Um, it was also a point in the development of major food retailers when the likes of Sainsbury's and Tesco's uh, were looking very hard at ways to stretch the brand into new new business areas where customers would appreciate the convenience of a one-stop destination, as it were. Um, so M&S had set up financial services, but you typically had to climb four flights of stairs to get to one, and it appeared it appeared somewhat to have stalled. Um, so David Sainsbury's, who was the CEO, and Kevin McCartan, who was the marketing director at Sainsbury's, both of whom were remarkably entrepreneurial, um, saw the opportunity. I was a very junior senior manager, and I was given the job of working with the Bank of Scotland to make it happen. And we launched Sainsbury's Bank in February 1997. Wow. The 19th of February, I recall. I got to go on the radio to uh, talk about it um, on the Today program, which is the only time I've done that. <laughs> so, um, it, and if we worked technically the first challenger bank uh then we were certainly uh, the most meaningful one to move the needle with big brands behind us and we had a ready-made 12 million customer base to work with yeah um, we beat tesco's which at a time <laughs> when they were 30, they were 30 low up in the second set was a good feeling you asked me to uh, pick up on the lessons that um came out of that time um and the most important one, I think, uh, probably emanated from that platoon sergeant maxim of KISS, um, which I was told stood for keep it simple, mm. stupid. Um, and that was to provide a simple and clear customer proposition that um, everyone from the McKinsey's consultants advising the board to the butcher on the deli counter doing a real day's work uh, could explain to customers. Yeah. So. We launched um, really simple products, and they were so simple that I understood them, and so they must have been simple. Um, there was an instant access savings account with a single headline rate of interest. Um, there was a credit card with loyalty points, and then later there were travel money and car and home and pet travel and life insurance. Um, and people really appreciated the fact that these products were geared for them as people and as Sainsbury's shoppers, and not as numbers on a bank ledger. So the real importance of of treating people as people and not as numbers was that uh, at Sainsbury's, we were dealing with Sainsbury's customers as well as others. And a Sainsbury's customer had a lot of value to Sainsbury's. Um, we split customers into different groups. And the family, the, the Sainsbury's family who are loyal to Sainsbury's, um, they could be worth anything up to a quarter of a million yeah. in terms of lifetime revenue. And you weren't going to mess with that by um, keeping them waiting, telling them they couldn't have a card um, or being rude to them or just ignoring them. So we had to be a lot more respectful to customers than was the norm at the time, I'd say. And uh, you did touch on this a bit, but, you know, moving from sort of big business, I mean, you mentioned the scale and the size of obviously some of the, the businesses you've been with, you know, going from that to the smaller, more agile space that you found yourself in, you know, what have been some of the key advantages um, as well as perhaps even some disadvantages, you know, obviously, particularly in the payment space? Yeah, that's interesting, actually, because the beauty of moving, I think, from a big payments company to a little payments company um, is that you can take with you the great things you've learned in the big company 
about working with people and managing business units and measuring performance and running programs. And you can leave behind all the crap. Can I use that word? I hope so. Anyway, <laughs> again. You can leave behind the crap that every payments business carries as a legacy uh, and that might even suit the business, the big business, but doesn't really suit the business you're going to. And mm. it's probably the reason you're leaving. Thinking about this, the scary thing uh, that I continue to find is that there are some management processes that I bitched about constantly in NCR, for instance, from Byzantine business processes to MIS tools, only to find, only to find that I take them and adapt them and then use them um, in the smaller businesses that I'm working now because they actually make sense. Um, and, and I guess maybe the fact is that in a smaller business, you're typically higher up the tree. You probably see things from a different perspective. You really understand the value of adapting some of the painful and tedious stuff you did when you were a small cog in a big wheel. Um, plus, you can understand things from both sides of the argument, uh, and you can empathize with those in your team who think you're just creating work to keep them from hitting the start of happy hour on a Friday. <laughs> Especially popular, your side of the equator, yes. <laughs> Getting to be more popular now that we're coming out of um, lockdown. Yeah. I, I agree entirely, yeah. for very good reasons. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more about uh, you, you, you personally, um, as a leader. I mean, what would you say is your strongest skill set and how have you really used this to sort of shape the companies you've worked with over the years? It's interesting. That's uh, kind of so many cliches I could think of in so little time, but <laughs> Um, I mean, I've got a, a bunch of skill sets, like everybody, I guess, of my age and level, which have generally served me well. Not all of them are nearly strongly enough developed. Um, I think humility is probably the strongest skill set, but kind of a short word answer. I think, for me, the strongest skill set, um, particularly at where I am now, is the ability to stop using other skill sets, to step back from the detail, to mentally clear your mind, get out of the weeds, and look at your business with detachment. Um, now, I, I'm, uh, I'm a bit kind of hyperactive. I can't do that in front of a PC or at my desk. Yeah. I can do it, but not very well. So I either have to buckle on my cleats, get on my recumbent cycle and hit the roads, <laughs> or if the, if the weather's shite, I put on wellies and go for a walk. And yeah. I find the ability to free your mind and look at problems and the business objectively is a great way of, A, solving problems you know you have, and quite often – identifying problems you didn't even know you had in the business. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's the closest thing I've got to a crystal ball, and I should add that I am a rubbish clairvoyant, but um, <laughs> it's useful. And uh, let's talk about uh, Talk Remit and, you know, the people you work with. Um, how do you select your teams, you know, especially in the startup space? You know, have there been some challenges here? And, uh, yeah, what is your sort of recipe for success in this, this space? It's something you particularly look at when you're running a small team looking to scale quickly as we are. Um, so, um, I mean, I look for, obviously, for people who are very good at what they do. That's a kind of a table stakes. But in a startup, um, ideally, I think you also need people who have the mindset to work outside their scope of core expertise because startup, startups I've worked with are the realm of multitaskers. So here's a 
Here's a live example. In Torumit, we've got an outstandingly good management team. I would say that anyway. In in Q4 of last year, as we moved beyond the MVP phase and started to look at spending some serious money in paid marketing, we needed a whole new marketing department as opposed to a single SEO come PPC guru in Eastern Europe. Yeah. So um, our chief of staff, whose background is in program management, picked it up read herself into the role, recruited a team on LinkedIn, built that all with some short-term consultant help, and now runs our marketing team. Okay. Now, medium term, we need a marketing ahead of marketing because we're running like a utility <laughs> and we've got to see the furnace. But we, what we haven't done is lost four months in recruiting the right person. Yeah. Because one of the team caught the ball, pulled the scrum in behind her, added a couple of fancy three quarters, and is driving the program over the halfway line. And I've really got a lot of respect for that ability. Um, and by the way, if you listen to this, you can't afford her. So, <laughs> yeah, no poaching. <laughs> and tell me a bit about your kind of go to management tool for improving business performance. Well, um, that's interesting, actually. Um, and maybe maybe I just wasn't paying attention in the army or in Sainsbury's or the various banks or NCR. Uh, and maybe it's a function of having been able to help at, at Talk Remit, the board, uh, the investors put together a business with a flat management structure that lends itself to management. But my management team does more good and is more effective in running the business because we review weekly reviewing KPIs such as uh, revenue growth versus plan, successful transactions, auto onboarding levels, average response time, customer satisfaction, uh, and what's driving them. And understanding those really lets us get under the skin of what is sometimes quite a complicated business and actually makes it simple, which is absolutely essential. Um, so we just set ourselves a target of being in what we consider to be the top 20% of our market cohort. Uh, and we're lucky to have a board with the expertise and also the commitment to review those kind of heartbeat stats with regularity. Um, and uh, it's only when you start doing that, having not done it for a year, two years, you suddenly think, my God, I've been missing a trick. Um, this is, uh, and it's just so simple. Um, KPIs and dashboards. Yeah. But, um, and we've got it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, from those you can really start to motor. And when things go poontang, as they occasionally do, um, if you're if you've got the right dashboard, uh, you can see it quickly, and you know that there are going to be three or four factors in there that lead to it, and you can get to the nub of the problem. And uh, finally, and and uh, save the best for last. Let's talk a bit about uh, you know talk remit. Um, you know how really just. How are Talk Remit tackling the, the underbanked across, really across the globe with such low margins and um, also able to sustain such high growth? Well, um, I mean, in terms of, um, I'm glad that you talked about our high growth. In fact, I'm going to have to play this back to the board. <laughs> uh, but in fact, we do have, I mean, we're, we're lucky. I mean, I, as an aside, I, I have a board um, who, um, who actually support us in what are some quite stretched targets. Um, and um, to actually understand the challenges, which um, is important because we have a few. But to answer your question, um, we're fortunate to be closely affiliated with a, a company called Dahabsil, which is a very successful family business founded by uh, Muhammad Dwale in the 70s, which has grown to be the, one of the largest, if not the largest, money transfer business in the Horn of Africa. And it provides remittance and banking services about across about 126 countries or so worldwide. 
So Talk Remit was set up by uh, Mohammed's son, Saeed, in 2016 to ad- address the, the movement, the migration of remittance from cash-based um, Western Union standard to online uh, as a standalone business, uh, but also we're as a provider of kind of online platforms, uh, and I mean both app-based, mobile-based, and web-based for all of the businesses within Dehabsil who need them uh, to kind of help that business in broadening the offer to their customers. So so we work with Dehabsil agents in the UK and Europe and across North America. Um, and because they're a mature and a very well-respected business, we can leverage their customers uh, with, a, with a great offer, strong, um, and that makes their lives easier. And it gives us a fantastic customer base to work on. And really not many, I'd say not many startups in my experience uh, are so unfortunate at being able to tackle the underbanked because they have a strong legacy business that is prepared to work with them to actually uh, uh, let us grow. So so we're lucky. And in some ways, it's not that different from Sainsbury's and Sainsbury's Bank. Uh, they're both, we both have parents with uh, as family family businesses with kind of dedication to the core business. Yeah. Um, and, and both those businesses are well-established, very successful. And, and we as the add-on uh, are the same as Sainsbury's Bank. And in, in many respects, we can provide customers with a, a new technologically advanced means of saving time and money so so that's 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 the way we're doing it um and speak to me in a year and i'll tell you mm-hmm. how we've done hit our markers but we're going okay at the moment no that's fabulous that's awesome and uh yeah i know our listeners are definitely gonna keep an eye out as as will i and we just wish you all the best and yeah just hope it's a stellar year ahead now that's very kind i've appreciated uh getting a chance to talk to you and um i was going to say that um if you don't know where we are in a year's time and you haven't noticed us, um, then I haven't been doing my job. <laughs> but I've got, I've got a great team, so I don't see why we shouldn't make ourselves known. Amazing. And uh, if any of our listeners would like to get hold of you, Jeremy, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? So um, they can email me is probably easiest. Um, or they can either go online and look at um, Talk Remit, as in talk and remit, all one word, mm-hmm. or they can email me um, um, at jeremy at talkremit.com um, and I have a full inbox but I still <laughs> managed to manage to empty it um, occasionally brilliant well thank you so much for your time today and yeah just wishing you all the best and uh, take take care not at all thanks for the opportunity to talk thank you for listening to this week's episode talking success connecting the global fintech community please follow us on LinkedIn under talent in the cloud or if you're interested in exec talent expanding your fintech team or you yourself are looking for an exciting change in your career please check out our website talentinthecloud.io